and a light. Yeah, of <laughs> as, course. As he sees him demorph. Everybody what? in the whole mall is just like, oh, Andalite, because we're all controllers. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody's controllers, <laughs> except for one guy who works at Radio Shack, ironically. everybody and welcome to Anamorphous Discussion, a podcast that made me realize these books are actually better than I thought they were, even more than book three did. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) I'm your host, Robin. Joining me are my co-host, Jessica. Hello. And Katie Treggs. Hi. You sounded so much more excited about Katie than you did about me. (laughs) I mean, naturally. I've talked to you for the past four episodes, Jessica, but Katie's been gone for two weeks. Katie, how, are, how does it feel to be back? It feels great. I had a great time on my trip. Um, we can talk about that more later if you want, but yeah. Mm. I'm glad to be back, though. Yeah. We're glad to have you back. That's true. Uh, I am glad to have you back. Oh, <laughs> What does that mean? It just means that I'm glad to have her back. Uh-huh. You don't uh-huh. make everything sure. into a fight. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I make everything into a fight? Okay. <laughs> um, you're both okay. beautiful. <laughs> so we're reading, or we're talking about book five today, uh, but Katie is not yet caught up on what happened in book four. So Jessica, why don't you give a recap of what happened in the last book? Okay, so I'm definitely prepared to do this, and I definitely yeah. remember everything. And Jessica, Jessica, this is mm-hmm. super high stakes. It feels really high stakes. If you don't explain um. this super well, I'm not going to understand anything from here on out. It's actually, per- it's it's totally fine. I'm actually fully prepared for this, and I remember absolutely everything that happened in Good. book four. Because like I Excellent. said, I cannot emphasize enough how high the stakes are. <laughs> so, the, just like, definitely I remember everything. Like, for of sure, course. every part of it. Starting <laughs> yeah. with the title. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Which, of course, was Robin. The message, that's exactly right. The, yeah, the message, which is what yeah. I said. Um, yeah. And book four also focused on one Your of favorite? the five kids. Your favorite of the five kids. Cassie. Cassie? Oh, did mm-hmm. I miss Cassie? You missed Cassie. That's sad. Yeah. So Cassie was in this one, and there were dolphins. Mm-hmm. So, two of the kids, so Cassie, because she's the best morpher, and fuck, I probably Tobias or some shit, uh, started having weird dreams about something happening in the ocean, and, oh my god, you know what, I do remember this, I actually had a dream the other night where, like, a dolphin was referring to a whale as an old one, is that what they said? Is that what they called it? Old ones? Or big ones? That's exactly what, no, I think it was a great one. Great ones. Great ones. And I remember waking up and being like, what the fuck was that dream? (laughs) (laughs) It was Animorphs. We talked about Animorphs. (laughs) It was fucking Animorphs. Oh my god, this just happened like two nights ago. And when I woke up, I was like, why am I dreaming about dolphins and whales? Why were the whales calling the, or why were the dolphins calling the whales great ones? It doesn't make any sense. Animorphs, (laughs) that's why. Animorphs is fucking me up. Okay. Mm. Oh my god. That will happen. So anyway, they've been having these weird dreams about something in the ocean, and so they go morph into dolphins to try to figure out what it is, and they figure out at some point that it's an Andalite, and 
Then they see a whale at some point, and they call the whale great ones because of their dolphin brains or whatever. And the whale helps them find the Andalite ship, or, like, part of the Andalite ship, whatever, where the guy is, uh, whose name is, we're going to say Max, right? Axe, not nope. Max. X. Axe. Yeah. And we're not going to say any other part of his name, because we know how angry it makes Jessica feel. <laughs> Emily Escarith is Okay. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> you just and went then there. And also the bad guys are there because there's the Andalite controller, and he's been having the dream, and so he knows there's an Andalite down there. And they almost get caught, but then, like, the controllers do some dumb shit like they always do instead of just fucking catching these Animorph kids. Because, like, every time they're, like, within the grasp of the controllers, the controllers are like, I mean, we're definitely looking for a specific hawk that's been, like, or, like, we're looking for animals that are acting weird. And look at how weird this hawk is acting right now. And I know that there's a hawk involved in whatever's going on, but I'm just not going to pay any attention to this particular hawk, but I'm going to go shoot this other hawk for no reason. Like, there, <laughs> that didn't happen in this one. That was in the last one. But, like... <laughs> It's every time, every time the controllers get close to getting the Animorphs, they'll slip through their fingers and it's their own fucking fault. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, just... they rescue Axe, and he morphs into a shark, I think. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the surface, and then Axe moves into Cassie's barn, I think? Close. Moves okay, into so... something on the ranch. So wait, so at the bottom of the ocean, there was an Andalite ship... And uh-huh. there was a an Andalite inside of it named Axe, and that's how we mm-hmm. meet Axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Axe is also the other Andalite's cousin. Or brother? No. The brother. first one? Brother. Like the, the first nice Andalite's one? brother, yeah, the prince. Oh. He's his younger brother, and is basically, for the purposes of comparison, he's like the same age as the Animorphs. Okay. So he's like a, a, a tween-age Andalite. Weird. So... The thing about the ship is it was the dome ship, which is uh, basically a stick with a dome on top like an umbrella, and when they need better maneuverability, they'll detach the dome, and since Axe was too young to fight, he was in the dome when it detached, and it crashed into the ocean, and then all the other Andalites were killed, so there was no one to save him, and he was running out of food. And, and I don't think at any point it explained why Axe didn't just like swim to the surface, because, like, he had already acquired a shark to morph into, so, like, clearly he had left that dome at some point and went into the ocean, but, like, at no point was he just like, all right, well, I'm stuck down here, I guess I just better go to the fucking surface instead of waiting for someone to rescue me. Well, he, um, he stunned the shark as it swam near him, near mm-hmm. the dome, mm-hmm. and then presumably somehow got it inside so he could acquire it, but yes... I think he was just waiting until it was his last option because he was positive that the Andalites were going to come and rescue him. Mm-hmm. And he he acquired the shark because he knew when he was rescued, he'd probably need a water creature to help him escape. Right. That's how he said it anyway. Hmm. Uh, he eventually risked sending out his message on mirror wave technology, which uses, well, he can't say because he can't give Andalite secrets to other races. Yeah. There's that happening, too. It's just oh. super plot convenient, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, he... When they when they got him to the surface... Uh, well, when they, were, when they were escaping, Visor 3 morphed into, like, an enormous water creature that was going to eat them all. But then a bunch of whales came back and, like, rammed it and then saved them. So the whales, the whales came back. And then... Yeah. 
And then they morphed into a human by, like, acquiring all of the Animorph kids, which is super creepy. Yeah. He acquired all of them and then merged their DNA into one, like, human. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. No. He's he's their baby? Yeah, basically. He's basically their baby. A child of four parents. Okay. So that's where we are now. That's where we are now. And he moved into, like, the woods. There's, like, a field behind Cassie's farm. (laughs) in the woods. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know why, but that's the best part of this whole story. <laughs> they get home, and they're like, okay, anyway, so we could probably, like, set up a bed for you. And he's like, no. <laughs> I live in the wood. <laughs> well, okay. He has to demorph to his Andalite body every two hours, or he'll be stuck as a human forever, so, <laughs> so- he needs a... S- he needs a secluded place to be an Andalite. That makes sense. <laughs> so the woods seem like a good choice. Okay. But but yeah. Um it is silly. So before we go on, one thing mm-hmm. is that I actually had this book of the girl morphing into a dolphin as a kid. Somebody got it for Ooh. me. And I and the person presumably who got it didn't realize it was part of a series, and so I like started reading like the first five pages. And was like, never mind, <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. But I had this book as a kid because I loved dolphins. I think amazing. So there's That's that. Also, I just found this picture that I'm going to send to you both in the chat somehow, and it will bring you joy. And then we can go on with the podcast. I'm so excited. Oh my god, it works. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. What? <laughs> a seal. Oh, incredible. Truly seal incredible. Turn it into a seal. <laughs> a kiss from a rose. Oh my gosh. That's (laughs) beautiful. That's truly beautiful. Oh my gosh. For our listeners, we'll post that in the description at bitch2elf.com. And I'm not at all going to edit out those dog noises. (laughs) (laughs) It's just me turning into a dog. Des, come here. I do feel like if I were an anamorph, the first thing I would do is acquire my cat's DNA so I could morph into her. And then we would just like sit and be like pissy cats all day at each other <laughs> oh yeah your cat would hate that and then you would She'd hate that so too mad. yeah and just like i was oh. her i'd be mad yeah we would just like sit there and be mad at each other all day which is not mm-hmm. that different from what life is right now but then i would be a cat and also mad <laughs> all right so now we are talking about animorphs number five the predator Ooh, and this is from Marco's perspective. A little bit about Marco that you may not remember from previous books. He is the most reluctant anamorph mm, because his mom died. Because his mom died. Oh, that's right. He doesn't want to leave his dad alone. He doesn't want to leave his dad alone. She drowned, uh, and they never found her body. It's very sad. Uh, so, spoiler alert: this is the book where Marco decides to quit the animorphs. Ooh. Mm. But before we get to that point, let's talk about the new segment that we introduced last week, which is the stupid bullshit that they do at the beginning of the book. 
Yes. <laughs> Every book starts with them doing something stupid. And I thought Marco would be better than this because he's the one who's always telling everyone else they've done something stupid. But nope. So it starts with Marco walking home from 7-Eleven uh, after 10 at night with some low-fat milk and a loaf of bread and a bag of peanut M&Ms. Sure. And he says, since his mom is gone, he's got to do a lot of the shopping and stuff for him and his dad, mm-hmm. which is heartbreaking. Because <laughs> it's a loaf of bread, a bag of peanut M&Ms, and a thing of low-fat milk from 7-Eleven. So he's walking home, and then he hears this old man saying, please don't hurt me. And he sees these three young muggers trying to get money from this old man. And he's like, that's not cool. So he morphs into a gorilla behind a dumpster. (laughs) You know, he hides first and morphs into a gorilla. (laughs) And he throws the first mugger just like over his shoulder, not looking. The second one tries to cut him with a knife, so he backhands him into a wall. Oh my goodness. And the third one he just picks up by his shirt and puts him in the dumpster. And then she made sure to write, like, he checked on the guy who he hit into the wall. It's like, he's breathing. He probably won't be happy, but he'll live. And he puts him in there, uh, in the dumpster as well with his, with his friend. And then the first guy who he had thrown over his shoulder starts shooting a gun at him. Ooh. And so Marco hides behind the dumpster and then sends the whole dumpster rolling at the guy. And it smashes him into, into the other wall. Oh my god. And then he checks on him and also makes sure that he's breathing. And he's like, yes, also still breathing. I am not... A 12-year-old kid just murdering people. All good. <laughs> and he picks him up and throws him in the dumpster, too. And then he's like, well, another another job well done. And then the old man picks up the gun and starts shooting at him, like, get away from me, you monster. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And that was the stupid thing that Marco did at the beginning of this book. So why not, like, a, a, a mean dog? or Like, they have to have dogs in there, right? They've got wolves, actually. Okay, wolf might be better. Just something that people wouldn't be like, holy shit, this animal doesn't belong in the middle of the city. Yeah. Well, even like, just like screaming like, hey, help, that person over there is getting mugged. Yeah. Yeah, or like calling 911. All kinds of things that he could do. He was thinking after he like put them all in dumpster, he's like, okay, now I can just go, I can go demorph. Call 911 on those guys and then get home in time to watch Letterman. But then the old man started shooting at him. Anyway, then the actual story of the book kicks in. <laughs> okay. But it opens with the stupid thing, as, as all books must. Mm. So in, in, the next, <laughs> in the next part, he's recounting the tale to his fellow Animorphs. And then he's like, wait, why are we walking through these woods behind Cassie's barn? And Jake's like, well, we've been talking to Axe for the past couple days to try to figure out what he wants to do. And he wants to go home to the Andalite homeworld, which should be easy enough. All they have to do is steal a Yerk spaceship. Oh, Lord. Oh. Now I, now I know what you're thinking. Oh, no. How do are you? they going to steal a Yerk spaceship? That's not what I was thinking. Also <laughs> they, send I was out, thinking. they send out a distress signal, obviously. Duh. Now I know what you're thinking. You don't. How are they... How are they going to send out a distress signal? Well, obviously, they have to build a distress beacon using parts from Radio Shack. Oh, no. Now I know what you're thinking. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) How are they going to get those parts from Radio Shack? (sighs) I mean... Axe morphs into a human, and they take him to the mall. Okay. Okay. Well... (laughs) So, wait. So... (laughs) So, Axe just wants to go home. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Is it why does he want to go home? Is that a dumb question? Uh, I just feel like it seems like he came here to try to help defeat the Yurks. So why not stay to defeat the Yurks? He thinks he can do better if he can go home and like bring back the rest of the Andalites. So why not build a signal so that the Andalites come to him? Oh, help? don't be silly. The the Andalite homeworld is 82 million light years away from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> How could you build a signal that would get that far? You okay. Silly. Okay. Have spaceships all around Earth. Yeah. His signal needs much less uh, range to steal a York ship. I'm already <laughs> over this book. Now I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I didn't say my thing soon enough before Jessica said she was already over the book. Okay, so <laughs> an important thing to know about Andalites... Oh, sorry, Jessica, were you saying something? No, I was not. Okay. <laughs> an important thing to know about Andalites is that in their natural body, they do not have a mouth. So when Axe morphs into a human, first of all, he can't stop playing with words. Like, making mouth sounds. He's like, I am ready, D, D, red, D. And just nonstop, every sentence he says, he's repeating some of the syllables. That's playing fun. That. The other thing is he doesn't know what taste is. Uh, and then they go to the mall, and he picks out a bunch of stuff from Radio Shack, and Jake is paying for it, and then all of a sudden, Axe is gone. And they're like, oh no, what happened to Axe? And they Good see point. a crowd forming. What? He's at the food court. They see a crowd forming at the food court. Knew it. And they see Axe running around to all the tables and eating the discarded food off people's plates and going crazy about how great taste is. And then he finds a piece of Cinnabon and he's like, yes, this is the most amazing food I've ever had. And then the mall cops start closing in because, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously. So Marco shouts for Axe to run, and he starts to run. Now I know what you're thinking. In Axe's normal body, he has four legs, and as a human, he only has two legs. Wouldn't he fall over? That, that time, that is what I was thinking, yeah. Well, Axe has that solved. He just starts demorphing in the crowd of people so that he can <gasps> no! run better as an Andalite. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> These people... Uh, so if I remember correctly, I know it's been a minute and a half since I've been on one of these podcasts, but controllers are everywhere, right? Like, we don't know who's controllers and who's not controllers. Right. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the controllers desperately are trying to kill these small children because they mm-hmm. think they're Andalites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they're just morphing willy-nilly all over the place. <laughs> And especially the one who actually is an Andalite and morphs partially back into an Andalite? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, he morphs all the way back into an Andalite. Does he really? By the time they get out the doors, yeah. Uh, Now, you're absolutely right, Katie, because one of the mall cops says, Andalite. Yeah, of (laughs) course. As he sees him demorph. Everybody in the whole mall is just like, oh, Andalite, because we're all controllers. Everybody. Everybody's controllers, (laughs) except for one guy who works at Radio Shack, ironically. (laughs) Maybe he's also a controller, and he's like, ah, it seems like you're buying the specific things that you would need to put together some sort of distress signal. (laughs) Also, the entire time he's in Radio Shack, acts like, oh, this must be a primitive flimblar, and like, oh, this must be a gadorpidic. 
you know, like just how speaking are, and a light words. How is Axe the worst at this? Uh, out of all of the kids, shouldn't he be He's the an best Andalite. at this? He, he doesn't know how humans work. But isn't he in the battle with the controllers? Like, shouldn't he at least know to like be sneaky and stuff? You would think, but no. Anyway, how are they supposed to get out of this mess, right? Jake and, and Marco start running alongside Axe because they have to, because he's demorphed now and they need to protect him. And No, they, they don't. run. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> go on. That's a good point. Uh, they run across the street to the grocery store and throw some carts behind them to stop the cops. The cops are there now and guaranteed some of those cops are controllers and Marco thinks... For sure, that the controller cops will make sure that none of the regular cops come in so that they can have the Andalites to themselves and kill them. But, fortunately, he sees a way out. First, he needs to clear the store. So what does he do? Gorilla time. Huh? Is he going to be a gorilla? No. Oh. There's no time to to morph into a gorilla. The store's full of people. Oh, he's going to get on the PA system and be like, fire, or loose gorilla. Pull the fire alarm. <laughs> <laughs> They're close. As he's running through the store, he yells that there's a bomb in the store, uh, and everybody course. has to get out. So everybody gets out, and they run back to the seafood department, where the huge live lobster tank is. Of course. And they acquire lobsters, and they morph into lobsters, and just hide in the tank until the controller cops can like will clear the area and realize that the Andalites got away. Which is fine, because Axe can keep track in his mind of how much of the morphing time they've used, and how much time they have left. So they figure they'll stay for like an hour and a half before risking demorphing. Uh, Before they can do that, they get uh, picked up, and rubber bands get put around their pinchers, Mm -hmm. and they get dropped into a bag of ice, and someone takes them home to cook for dinner. Yep. (laughs) And the ice makes, uh, oh, I guess my fun animal fact that I learned is that lobsters are predators. All they want to do is uh, eat prey and love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Same. So <laughs> that's my fun animal, animal fact today. Uh, so Marco, right before he's dropped into a pot of boiling water, decides, fuck it, I gotta demorph. And so he demorphs in someone's living room or kitchen. That's where the pot of boiling water would have been. <laughs> uh, and they all demorph. And there's just a screaming, crying woman there who's like, oh my god, what happened? And uh, she's also got three other lobsters because she was trying to cook dinner for six. And Jake's like, it's okay, this is just a dream. And you shouldn't tell anyone about this dream because it's crazy. And no one will believe you and you definitely are dreaming right now and you're fine. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. And Marco's like, by the way, take those other three lobsters and release them in the ocean for your own good. Wow. So now, fortunately, Jake stashed the box of or the bag of Radio Shack parts in a in a garbage can or something, so they they recover them fairly easily between chapters. And Axe makes his distress beacon. It's got everything that it needs, except a Z space transponder. I mean, yeah, that's. Obviously, yeah. like number one thing that you need is the yeah. space transponder. Everybody uh-huh. knows that. Literally everybody knows that. It's the first thing they teach you. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I bet I know who has one of those bad boys. Who do you think has one of those bad boys, Jessica? I bet it's a fucking controller. Mmm. 
You would be correct. Yeah, obviously I am. It's what makes faster, zero space is what makes faster than light travel possible. Everyone knows that. So he needs the Z space transponder so that he can, you know, put it on the right frequency for the Yerks to pick up. And of course he knows the frequency because the Andalites have used it to lure Yerk ships into traps before. So he knows exactly what frequency their distress beacon should be on. Man, sure. this guy's like knowledge of Yerks and controllers, I feel like, is inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. He also at one point says the higher the danger, the higher the honor. So I don't he... trust that. Mm. Accurate. <laughs> anyway, they definitely know someone who probably has a Z-Space transponder. Someone who regularly communicates with probably oh, ships in orbit. The vice principal? The assistant principal Chapman. Ah. So they got to get into Chapman's house and probably can't morph the cat again. With good reason. So they figure out that the best way to do it is to morph into ants. Ants! It seems like the fleas were working out pretty good. Is that, does that ever come back? Because the flea doesn't, like, have great vision, I don't think, Hmm. or a sense of direction. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, but I don't know. Ants are what they end up going with. And they argue over whether they should be red ants or black ants, and they find out that most of the ants around Chapman's house are black ants, so they're going to morph into some of those. They acquire some at Cassie's barn, and then they wait for a night when they know that he's not home, that the house is empty, just to double increase the chances of not getting caught, or decrease the likelihood of getting caught, whatever. And uh, I should mention also, a lot of this book is about Marco's mom. Marco thinking about his mom and how... She died and how upset his dad was. His dad used to be like a computer programmer and he used to have a pretty well-paying job. And then his when uh, his wife died, he just sort of stopped going to work and he became depressed and eventually, and they had to move out of their apartment to like this really shitty apartment. And he takes part-time jobs now just to like make ends meet, but he's got no uh, ambition, I guess I would say. Yeah. And he sometimes he just sits and stares at the TV, even if it's not on. Mm, that sounds like depression, yeah. 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 So, and then Marco says, um, it's really rough for him, I know, but it's also rough for me, because when I lost my mom, I lost my dad, too. And I was like, oh, Marco. You poor sweet thing. Anyway, so they're going to morph ants. That's the important thing. Oh, yeah. it's coming up on the two-year anniversary of his mom's death. That's why he's been thinking about her a lot. Oh. They morph into the ants, and immediately uh, they start, they they lose all sense of self and all sense of purpose, and they're just like, we need to get meat and bring it back to the hive. And they find a dead beetle, and they start cutting it into chunks with their mandibles until finally Tobias, who's been, like, watching them and thought speaking at them, finally gets through to them. And Marco remembers that he's an individual named Marco, and he just starts screaming. And then they all just start screaming and crying and acts as like, what are these creatures? <laughs> How can they be like this? And they realize that ants are a hive insect. They're yeah. a colony insect. So they're all basically like cells of one organism. Uh, they're not. Yeah. They don't have individual fact. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I assume it's accurate. I don't know if... Yeah, I don't know how you really tell if ants share consciousness, but... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But 
they they are all like trying to re- they're all reeling from the fact that their individuality was just gone and they had no uh there was no me in there anymore. Ooh. Anyway, then they get on with trying to get into Chapman's house and they find a little <laughs> tunnel. Wait, are they still ants though? They weren't like, oh, fuck that. I mean, they were, but also they were already there. Mm. So, you know, they're like, well, let's just get on with the mission and uh and and then we can, you know, deal with all this emotional drama later. Right. So they find a little tunnel, ant-sized tunnel, leading down to Chapman's basement, and it smells like enemies, but they don't see anyone, and they're like, oh good, I don't, I don't want to meet any enemies. And they get down there, and they demorph, and uh, Axe starts like taking apart what looks like a fax machine on Chapman's desk. This is the secret room where he communicates with Bizzard 3 mm. from book two. Uh, and finds his Z-Space transponder, which is like the size of a P, and then puts the thing back together. Meanwhile, Marco finds an alien computer on Chapman's desk, which is basically like a hologram that you can poke things in, uh, but he can't read any of it, but Axe can, and he said, oh, Visor 1 is coming to Earth. Visor 1 is outranks Visor 3, because Visors are like generals, and the lower the number, the higher the rank. That makes sense. Uh, so Visor 3 is basically the highest ranking person in the Yurk organization outside of the Council of 13, which, like, oversees everything. So, so that's just, like, a little tidbit that surely won't come up again later. <laughs> and they reluctantly morph back into ants and climb back and start going back through the tunnel and they get into the dirt and they're in the ant tunnel in the dirt. And then all of a sudden, from every side, thousands of enemy black ants swarm on them and start trying to kill them. Oof. Because they're not from their hive, not from their uh, ant colony, mm-hmm. and they're fighting them off, and, and they all just de- start demorphing, bursting out of the ground like daisies, <laughs> <laughs> like daisies, like daisies, <laughs> screaming and crying and feeling, you know, just very upset in general, as one would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rachel stamps the ground back down so it won't look like a bunch of people just burst out of it. And Are they, they all get home naked when they demorph? Should I have known okay. this already? No, actually, I keep forgetting to go over this in uh, when I talk about the books. So you can't morph regular clothing. It's usually like you can't morph shoes uh, or anything baggy. Everything has to be like skin tight, like spandex. So they all have, like, bike shorts and, or, like, leotards or tight t-shirts or whatever. So they're not naked, but they're not dressed appropriately for most situations. (laughs) So wait, why can you morph those clothes but not? Great question. Okay. (laughs) That's fine. We don't need to. I guess if it's, I guess if it's tight enough to your skin, it no longer counts as clothing and it's just more skin. Okay. Axe even mentions that he's incorporated clothing into his human morph, so that when he morphs to human, he's not naked. Hmm. Anyway. So um, his clothes are, like, DNA? Like, he... Yeah. But they can't change their haircut? he change his clothes, he just, like, morphs them? Yeah. Like, when he morphs, he's wearing, I don't know, bike shorts, or spandex. Or superhero costume. I don't know. I have another question. Did they know yeah. before they went in that the transponder was going to be really tiny? Because otherwise, 
Yeah. <laughs> Axe knew that it was going to be really tiny. That's also part of why they decided to morph ants, because they're very strong, and they could, and it would probably fit through an ant hole. <laughs> ant okay. All or, right. This is all checking out. Go on. Yeah. Axe also... <laughs> X also said any like communication device would have several redundant transponders, so if it, it wouldn't be missed for a while, mm. which is just like super convenient. So he could remove one and put it back together, and they wouldn't know that it had been you know stolen. Yeah, that's Chapman. real nice. But not that they care that anybody knows who the Andalites are or where they are or what they're doing at any given time. <laughs> right? I mean, X doesn't care, but the rest of them try to instill in him. When he says the higher the danger, the higher the honor, they're like, well, no, because we're literally the only people fighting the Yerks, and there's only five of us, and if we die, there's no one, so he's like, oh, you're right. Good point. Good point. My bad. <laughs> so they get the Z-Space transponder, and, um, oh no, they, they, they get away from the ants, and they all have horrible nightmares, and Marco talks to Jake about this mission that they're going to do to steal the, the ship so that Axe can get back. And he's like, this is my last mission. It's going to be, on Sunday, it's going to be two years. And I I can't, like, I, I thought I was going to die in that anthill. I, I, I can't do this to my dad. I can't do this anymore at all. Like, this is it for me. This is my last mission, and then I'm done. And Jake's like, I understand. And that's, you know, that's totally fine. I'm not going to try to make you stay or anything. Yeah, so they have this heart to heart, and it all goes great. And they get the they get the ship, and Axe flies away in it, and everything is hunky dory. There's the no way end. that's true. Hmm. Good book. Good. That's series. not true. Oh. <laughs> so they find they they fly to like a secluded place that's far from the town. Like it's like a canyon kind of, so that it can't they can't be like they they won't be bringing down a yerk ship right in the middle of town or they won't bring it someplace that could be connected to them. Honestly, that's the first thing I've heard you say that's a, not a terrible idea. Seriously. <laughs> like, these kids are constantly coming up with some bullshit and the first <laughs> time any fucking thing they've done has made any kind of sense. Yeah. So, Axe, so they hide in sort of like a, a cave or an outcropping, I don't know. They hide from above and Axe sets out the distress beacon and it light, a light goes on it, and he's like, okay, that's it's sending the signal, and when it goes red, they've, they've responded that they're coming. And it goes red, and they're like, okay, great. And they Sorry, morph... I forget what the plan was for when the Yerk ship comes. They're going to, like, fight them and steal the ship? Yeah, so, uh, hang on, I, I made a note of that as well. My Kindle keeps going to sleep while I do this. Even your Kindle is too bored to focus on this plot. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, my retelling is boring, and then I was like, oh No, not your retelling. No, this you're doing great. is wild. Yeah. Oh, once Cassie had tried morphing straight from one animal to another, and it hadn't worked. And if she can't do it, no one can. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's just reinforcing that you have to demorph before you can remorph. <laughs> that's a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta demorph before, before you, you can, can remorph. remorph. <laughs> Okay, so each uh, bug fighter typically has one hork and one taxon on it. So they know that if they can take out the hork taxons are, like, super easy to kill. It's fine. They pop like a balloon if you ram them with a, with a dolphin snoot. Ew! <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, okay, yeah, we can definitely, between the six of us, we can definitely take down the two occupants of a bug fighter. Okay, that makes sense. They set up the distress beacon, the bug fighter comes in, and 
uh, out comes a hork who looks around for a second, and then he just sort of stands there. And they're like, what about... Why isn't anyone else coming out? Or why isn't he, like, looking around more for this downed ship that's sending out a distress beacon? And then Jake's like, never mind, Tobias, get him! And Tobias comes down and rakes his, his eyes, and then they all come out and start, like, attacking him, and then they hear, stop! And they look up, and the entire canyon is lined with hork warriors pointing guns at them. Yep. Because the Yurks knew it was a trap. Yeah. Because they they changed their frequencies. Mm. Like any reasonable sentient species would do. So they turned it into a trap for the Animorphs. And uh, Visitor 3 comes down and he's like, Oh, this is quite the treat. I finally <laughs> caught the Andalite bandit. Oh, delightful. That's a fabulous voice for That's Visitor my Visitor 3. 3. Yeah, I decided he needed a voice. So... Oh, I That's love these bandits, with. yeah. <laughs> yeah, these bandits, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of killing them right then and there, mm-hmm. he says, Here it comes, I'm- every fucking time. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> he says, Visor 1 is visiting the mothership. I can't wait to show you to her. And to show you what a good, good job I did <laughs> catching the Andalite bandits. <laughs> so, they take him up into space, to the mothership, and they're all still morphed. Rachel's an elephant, uh, Jake is a tiger, Marco's a gorilla, Cassie's a wolf, X is just in his Andalite body, because it's, he's got a big scorpion tail, he's good. <laughs> and Tobias is a hawk. So he takes them <laughs> to the mothership, and they notice on the mothership that there's two, that there's different hork wearing two different uniforms. One is red, one is gold. And X says those are, like, the, the uniforms of two different visors. Because um, there's fewer gold ones, and they're probably visor one's mm. personal army. And then the red ones are visor three's personal army, and they clearly don't like each other. Ooh. Drama! <laughs> and, uh... All the Andalites, I mean, all the Animorphs come out of the ship that brought them there, the transport or whatever, and Visor 1, with a Horkbizier guard, and Visor 3 come walking towards them, and Marco just sits down. Because Visor 1 is his mother. (gasps) Hold up. (laughs) Shut your face. Wait. I will not shut my face. Oh my god. Yup. fucked up. Yup. And... Jake says, Marco, you have to get up. You can't, you know, you, you, you can't react like this. And Visor 3 is like, oh, the human-looking one seems to be frightened of you, Visor 1. <laughs> and she's like, it's called a gorilla. If you're going to be on Earth, you should learn what animals are. <laughs> <laughs> and it becomes clear that Visor 3 and Visor 1 don't like each other very much. Oh, my God. Uh, Visor 1 is the one who got the Earth invasion started and then left to go pursue, you know, to go spearhead other projects. So they faked her death mm. so that she could leave. So Ooh. she's a real go-getter. Left... Yeah. <laughs> she's a, she's a boss she bitch left... in charge. <laughs> she left Visor 3 in charge, and she's really pissed with how much he's been fucking it up. Mm. So uh, they put them into a prison cell, and... 
they, then they're like trying to figure out the best way to get out. Uh, they're like, we can morph into ants again. They probably won't expect, you know, small morphs. And then we can morph into our battle things and at least go down fighting. And Tobias is like, I won't be able to join you, but I, I understand. And I, you know, that's how it's got to be. And then as they're discussing this, the door to their cell opens. And it's a hork in gold who has just taken out one of the hork in red. And he's like, the escape hatch is that way. If you go down that drop shaft 15 levels, there's going to be escape pods. You just need to get into one. It'll go straight to Earth to your last, you know, to the location that the bug fighter was at. And we never had this conversation and you're on your own. Hmm. Oh, shit. That's, yeah. It's and because like, the controller mom is like, that's my boy. No, but she didn't Same know man. it was him, right? Because he's a gorilla? Yeah, they were all still morphed. Oh. Maybe she knew somehow. Mm. Well, what they realize is that it would look really, really, really bad for Visor 3 if the Andalite bandits that he had worked so hard to capture escaped under his watch oh. again. Especially when a prominent visitor was on the mothership. Mm. Wow. So they fight their way out, they escape, they get back to Earth. All's well that ends well. Um, No one knows, no one except for Jake had met Marco's mother before. And with, with thought speak, you can either talk to everyone or talk to just like one or two people. It can be like public or private, basically. So when Jake <laughs> said, Marco, you have to get up. She can't know that it's, you know, no one can know that we're human. You're, you're giving us away. That was just to Marco. Mm. And he realized that no one else knew that that was his mother. And so he's like, Jake, no one can ever know. They can't find out that that's who that is. I can't take it. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Secret's safe with me, buddy. Mm. He's going to try now- and tell someone right now. <laughs> he didn't. He's a- Jake's a good leader. Well, he's a leader. <laughs> <laughs> he's a leader. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they make it back to Earth. And Marco and his dad go to visit Marco's mom's grave on the anniversary of her death. And they both cry at the grave. And then his dad turns to him and says, Marco, I haven't been a very good father to you. And I realize it's time I need to step up. I talked to Jerry, which was his old boss, and and he said, I can get my old job back. So I'm going to, it's it's what Eva would have wanted for me to move on and to keep taking care of you. She would be so upset with how... I've been these past two years. So I'm going to step up and be, real, be a real dad for you again. And Marco's like, thanks. Or, you know, something touching. I don't know. I, I skimmed that part. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, Marco is no longer quitting the Animorphs, because now he has something else to fight for. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oof. That's oh, the end of that book. End? Oh, what a fucking roller coaster. Oh, so was the predator in the title just the lobster? <laughs> I don't know, I guess so. Because <laughs> I've been thinking about that this whole time, waiting for you to talk about another predator. Go back to the predator mm-hmm. thing. Maybe the predator was Visor 1, just preying on Visor 3. So, I don't they... know, it kind of sounds like the predator is the lobster. I feel like it it's the lobster. Like the predator might be the lobster. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, no. Did you ever um, see that lobster crossing sign on the drive between Reno and Vegas? No. I don't think so. Oh, somewhere along that drive, and it may be gone now, but I remember when I first moved to Reno and would make the drive to Vegas a lot, 
just like at some point in one of the like really tiny towns between Reno and Vegas, there's just like this, there was this sign that looks like a regular traffic sign and it said lobster crossing on it. And every time it just blew my whole mind and I loved it and I want one. Yeah. <laughs> I put it in front of my house. It says lobster crossing. And then now I know I can put another sign underneath it that's like danger predators or whatever. <laughs> Caution, they eat prey. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. So, what are, what are your thoughts? Did I, first so wait, of all, okay. Did so I, do- I have another question. Yeah. So, do they ever talk about in the books why a yerk like has a? Because why would he keep a human host after he doesn't live on Earth anymore? Or she? Why would the yerk that's in Marco's mom keep her mm-hmm. around? Oh, they've got they've got like every they've got hosts for like all the planets that they conquer. Yeah. Oh, so they Although change back question. into their. Like, host body once they come back? No, she left Earth, you know, she... uh, mm, No, the Yerks don't morph. They're just a little, like, earworms. No, I get it, but, like, if you leave Earth, why would you keep a human host? That's a really good question. Like, they have the the bodies of, like, all the planets that they conquer, but it does seem like any of the other alien species that we've heard about so far would be better than humans. Right. And, like... Yeah, be an Andalite. That would, you get special powers if you're a Yurk and you're an Andalite. Well, there's, there's only, only one though. There's only one Andalite controller. Right. All, oh, okay. all the Andalites, the Andalites would rather die than become controllers. That makes and sense. And so they they do before a Yurk can infest them. Okay. So yeah, I don't there's know. no reason for her to still be a human. I'm with you on this case. Okay, because so, yeah, that just feels weird that like a whole year later, they're still in the same body and it's a human. Two years. Two years. Two years later. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that um, I don't. I don't remember if they're all going to come out later or if this is just stuff that I gleaned from reading the series. But I think for one thing, like you get used to your host. Mm. You you know you it's like an old pair of shoes, wow. maybe. <laughs> uh, the other thing, and plus people will recognize you as you know Visor One in the body that Visor One has always been in. Right. That's probably one. Okay. Because uh, the other thing is humans are super adaptable. They mentioned that a few times. Like they can be in almost any environment and like survive and be fine. And the other one is so that it could be Marco's mom, so that he could have a visceral reaction to it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that answers the... my question. <laughs> that's all I got. I mean, I don't know how much of that is is uh, supported by the books, but that's sort of the impression that I remember having right. of it. Cool. And if another Yurk... I, there's one of the books, I believe it's the Visor Chronicles, talks about Visor One's uh, rise to power and how it became, you know, how it started the invasion of Earth and and became Marco's mom and whatever. And I think part of the reason it would stay with that host is because obviously they're not going to let her go. They'd put another Yurk into her head instead, and then that Yurk would know all of the things that she had done, Mm. and that might Mm. not be good for Visor One either. Hmm. That's just speculation. I don't remember. We'll read the Visor Chronicles at some point on this podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I oh, can't good. wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's going to be great. I love it. 
I I don't know if I have any other questions about this one. It's shocking. I feel so sad for Marco. Marco is definitely like the most tragic character, right? Like, I think so. Well, I don't know. Tobias is a hawk forever. Oh yeah, Tobias is a hawk forever. Yeah, that's too bad. X too. Is, X is stranded on a planet eighty-two million light years. I do away not from feel bad own. for X. No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh jake's brother is a controller and he has to eat brec- eat eat breakfast with him every day trying not to let on that he knows what's really behind that's really Tom's hard. eyes yeah cassie's probably fine okay rachel too they're fine everyone else though super tragic well rachel's <laughs> kind of future boyfriend is a hawk forever that's true rachel's in love with a hawk and that's whew. Rough. It's not something you want to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jessica, do you have anything that you wanted to uh, dive deeper on? First of all, actually, before we start, did I do a great job surprising you with the Marco's mom thing? Yes. Jessica. Uh, yeah, that was not bad. <laughs> I feel like I was. I feel like I was pretty heavy-handed at the beginning by saying like she drowned two years ago and her body was never found, and I'm like, ooh, they're gonna realize. There was definitely a moment where I wanted to ask, do they mention the fact that his mom drowned and they never found her body in every single book? So it feels like we've talked about it in every single book so far. <laughs> <laughs> so there's definitely a part of me that was like, seems significant since it's Marco's book. Yeah, and but I'm just happening with the mom. Like I figured maybe she was still alive, but I didn't really think that she was now in, in control of her. Like you know what I mean? Like she's yeah, in I didn't the suspect that she was visitor boss. one for sure. Yeah, okay. no, that came cool. out of nowhere. Cool. I was secretly very concerned that there was going to be a book where Marco went, like, looking for his mom's body or something. That's, That's where I thought yeah, it was Yeah, I was going. kind of suspecting something similar, where he was either going to go, like, dive down into the ocean or, like, wherever yeah. she drowned to find a fi- try to find her body, or he was going to figure out that she was somehow still alive and, like, quit the Animorphs to go find her. Mm, yeah. Oh, man, that would have, I would have read that shit. The still alive one, not looking for her dead body. Yeah, that would be so fucked up. Also, yeah. think about all the dead bodies that are probably in the ocean. Ooh. Well, to be fair, I think a lot of them were eaten by, like, you know, they decompose and fish eat all the little bits. Yeah, so it's probably just a bunch of bones down there. Yeah. Ooh. Not really better. Well, they get, you know, they get washed around by the current, moved around, broken yeah. apart. There's a, a lot of bones bone. up here, too, probably. Yeah. A lot of individual bones, probably. Not a lot of whole skeletons, I don't think. I don't know. Yeah, think about how awful that would have been for Marco if he went to go try to find his mom's body and just found, like, so many bones. (laughs) Nothing but bones. (laughs) (laughs) He just starts a little collection. Like, so many. They're probably my mom's bones. Well, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Um, so y'all know, I was gone for a couple weeks, um, and basically, here's the thing, I have such a hard time sleeping on the mattress that I have now, um, or that I had a couple weeks ago, and then good news for all of you, I got a new mattress, and it's great, and it was so easy, I got it from the sharing. Have you have y'all heard of this? Nice. I have heard of the sharing. I love that place. Oh my god, it's so great. So basically, I you know was a little 
lost, having a hard time sleeping, you know how it goes. And um, I got this call from these people at the sharing. I went and I stayed with them for a couple weeks. That's why I was gone. Mm -hmm. And I came back and I have this new lease on life, new mattress. Everything's great. The sharing. Like, the new lease on life sounds fine, but, like, new mattress, that sounds New mattress. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about the philosophies and stuff of the sharing, whatever, but uh, mattress, right? God. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I love the sharing, and I would love to hit them up for a new mattress because I still, like, since I joined the sharing, I have less trouble sleeping at night, but not because of my mattress, just because I feel a little better in my life, you know? Yeah. Better about myself. Uh, and if you want to feel that way, you should go to jointhesharing.org, check them out, see if there's a chapter near you, and just sort of uh, join the movement. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's yeah. great for humans like us. All of us humans. For humans like us. Excellent. Excellent for humans like us. <laughs> Did you really buy jointhesharing.org? <laughs> I have to type this in. Tell me right now. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh, yes. Girl. Computer, I need you to handle this right now for me. Oh my god. Yeah, go to jointhesharing.org. <laughs> you will not regret it. Nobody say what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, and uh, yeah, go ahead and give some money at jointhesharing.org and use the code... Bit, bitch, bitch team sharing <laughs> for five dollars. Share team alpha. Oh, share team alpha. Use the code yerked. <laughs> Wait, why? Why would too, you use that code? Don't think too hard about it. Okay, it's just easier to, to spell. It's, it's shorter than share team alpha. Oh, that so. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Anamorphous Discussion. We discussed book number five, The Predator. I had to kind of bookend it because of the word book. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jessica and Katie, thank you for joining me again this week. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for explaining this book to us. It makes my life something. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't make your life as complete as the sharing does. No, that's for sure. (laughs) I mean, can anything? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good point. Nothing fulfills me in life like the sharing does. Mm. And if you want to feel fulfilled, go to jointhesharing.org and just let them know with your money how fulfilled you feel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you like what we do, check us out on bitchteamalpha.com. We've got podcasts and written content. We do a Twitch stream twice a week with me and these two ladies. Uh, We also have a live play, an actual play podcast called Bitches and Liches where we play Blue Rose and Jessica is the DM, GM, whatever it is, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. And yeah, if you if you like this episode, if it made you laugh, uh, go support us or check us out on iTunes and rate and review. Yeah, tell your friends. That tell your friends. Say remember the remember the book series Animorphs, and they will say yes, <laughs> and then point them at this. How could they say anything but yes? Who doesn't yeah. remember Animorphs? Who doesn't remember? Everyone has heard of Animorphs, mm-hmm. if they, even if they haven't read it. Or they've read it and they don't remember it, which is exactly what this podcast is for. Yep. And that's all. So remember, three takeaways from this. Number one, 
Visitor one is Marco's mom. Number two, join the sharing. Number three, bitch team out. Bitch team out. out.